Hey everyone, it's Jana, one of the hosts of As Seen on TV. I wanted to hop on here before today's episode to ask any of you if you have an As Seen on TV product that you have been dying to try or just want to know who created it, why and how, please leave a comment on any of our YouTube videos or email us at astvpodcast at gmail.com with the name of the product and any of your social media handles because if we choose to feature your product on one of our episodes, we will give you a shout out. Thanks, everyone, and please continue listening for today's episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to As Seen on TV. I'm your host, Jana, and with me, I have my co-host and awesome sister, Tara. What's up, guys? I hope everyone's enjoying the podcast, and if you are, I just wanted to let you know that I finally, finally created a Facebook page. Just search our name in the search box, which is, of course, As Seen on TV Podcast, and after the show, let's talk about the episode. We love interacting with everyone, so come join the fun and also tell us what your favorite episode is so far. Yes, and I also just really want to add that I am loving the feedback on all of our previous episodes. I love getting texts and other messages from everyone asking us to review different products and sending us pictures of them when they're out of, you know, at the store and then tagging me in just different posts on social media. It's so much fun and it just really, really warms my heart that you all are loving this as much as we are because I am having so much fun. Yeah, it has been really so cool to think that people are actually listening to us and enjoying it other than, you know, our mom, of course. (laughs) Thanks, mom. I also talked to some of our listeners about how we've inspired them to take the leap to create something of their own, like blogs or even their own podcast. I just want to thank everyone for being here for us from the beginning because it means so, so much to us. So much. So without further ado, let's get into today's product. Today we are going to talk about... You know, not a not-so-strange-as-seen-on-TV product. And I know we all love those wacky and crazy products and then the background stories that come with it. And I do, too. And I know Tara does as well. But, you know, I just wanted to talk about a good product because sometimes they do come out with a good product and ones that really do change people's lives and not just the people that they feature in those commercials because those people have like the hardest lives ever. Exactly because we're as we're both learning there are a ton of hits and misses when it comes to these types of products. So tell me Jan what is it today? We are going to talk about one of the best selling infomercial products of all time. The George Foreman Grill. And I think I mostly chose this product aside from the fact that it really is, you know, a decent product and it's not just ridiculous and hilarious. I chose it because literally until I was doing research on this product, I always thought the creator of the George Foreman Grill was George Foreman. And this is not a trick question. Tara, do you know who invented the George Foreman Grill? I honestly have no idea who, what it is or who it was or anything like that. He just always seemed like a spokesman type of person to me. Like how Shaq always advertises for Icy Hot. 
I'm guessing I'm super wrong in this assumption, but tell me who invented it. <laughs> the George Foreman Grill was the brainchild of a man named Michael W. Bohm, who is a self-proclaimed lifelong tinkerer. He was born in 1944 in Chicago, but he actually grew up in South Bend, Indiana, which is not all that far from us. He was the firstborn of two children. Michael's mother was a painter, and his father designed cars for Studebaker. Michael studied at the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California, and he also worked as an industrial designer for a number of companies as well. Michael did an interview in 2015 with Investors Digest, and according to that interview, Michael said that he's designed just about anything that you could think of, from lamps to snowmobiles and riding lawnmowers. And uh, actually, something that I thought was interesting was Michael also appeared in a History Channel show called Million Dollar Geniuses, which was a show about ordinary people who turned you know, their ideas into million-dollar industries. And so appearing on this show naturally made Michael pretty happy you know, because when a product becomes a household name, a lot of people tend to stake their claim and origin stories are lost and rewritten and ownership changes hands and debate ensues. So... So for Michael to be able to do this interview, it must have allowed him to be able to clarify like a ton of things. The most important being that he is the actual creator of this product. Yeah, and it also allowed Michael to share some never-before-seen sketches and drawings. And for a while, Michael actually said that he carried a copy of his patent with him because so many people doubted that he was really the inventor of the grill. But to be honest, though, if someone I knew came up and said, like, they made this super successful product, I'd be a little skeptical, wouldn't you? So how and when did he come up with the idea for this grill? In 1993, while serving as the general manager at an electronics manufacturing company, Michael said that he came up with the idea of creating a small indoor grill that had the ability to cook food on both sides at once and also sit at an angle so that the fat would drain off easily. And Michael began building a prototype just using simple components at home. And he said he heated a cast iron baking sheet, set it at an angle, and then started cooking on it to see if the grease would drain off and if the food would cook. And it did. And he said as crude as it was, it proved the concept that he was going for. And when the grill was ready to start being pitched to potential buyers, Michael keyed in on two major benefits that the product resulted in great tasting food without grease or fat. But can you imagine being this guy's wife or their family and coming home to see this and thinking that he's probably lost his dang mind? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so in 1994, Michael filed for a patent for his electrical cooker and provides it, it just provides a really wonderfully convoluted description as follows, quote, A cooking device including an upper unit having an upper grilling plate hingeably attached to a lower unit having a lower grill plate. 
the upper unit movable relative to the lower unit from an open position to a closed position to form an enclosed cooking chamber to cook foodstuffs. The lower grill plate includes a well to contain liquid and a heating unit for heating the well to vaporize the liquid during cooking and supply vapor to the cooking chamber, closed quote. <laughs> okay, so it sounds just kind of like a regular cooking pan with a grease catcher, right? No, not really. I mean, definitely his first prototype for sure. But this is saying that there's an upper unit and a lower unit on a hinge, just like a regular grill. But this particular one has hot plates on both the upper and the lower unit to be able to cook your food on both sides at the same. But anyways, this patent and the related design patent were assigned to a company where Boehm worked at the time, which was a Chinese company called San Kun USA. And I'm probably totally butchered that name, but it's spelled T-S-A-N-N-K-U-E-N and then obviously USA. And according to patent law, that means that the company acquired the exclusive right to make, use, and then the patent improvement during the term for which the patent was granted. And later, Michael um, also received two more U.S. utility patents for a, quote, device for cooking foodstuffs, close quote, and a, quote, tabletop grill, close quote which uh, just kind of built onto his previous work. And some articles that I read about Michael says that uh, he has additional patents, but when I did my search on the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website, I was only able to find the four utility patents and then the one designed mentioned here. Also, in addition to filing a patent, Michael thought about how to protect his ownership of the idea strategically. He said, rather than trying to protect myself, I thought... I'm going to try to knock myself off. Michael said he cannot recommend this strategy enough. The idea of thinking about how to outwit your comp your competition is crucial. And that's really such a smart, smart strategy. Kind of like how comedians make fun of themselves so, how, so other people don't get the power from doing it themselves. So how was Michael able to mass produce this grill or where did he go from here after coming up with the prototype or just, I guess, realizing his idea was going to work? So apparently Tsan Kun USA, which was the company that Michael was working for when he invented this product um, and the company basically in charge of his patent, began manufacturing the first grill design under the name Short Order Grill and I wasn't able to find um, any sales or marketing evidence during my research of this, though. But in some published interviews, Michael says that he ended up selling his grill idea directly to Saltant Inc. And also directly asked George Foreman to endorse it. Um, other sources indicate that Michael was fully and completely left out of the sales and the marketing process altogether. But... Regardless of how the business arrangements were made, Salton Inc. acquired the rights to sell the slanted, two-sided, hinged grill and successfully rec recruited 1984 Olympic medalist and two-time heavyweight boxing champion George Foreman as its celebrity endorser. Yeah, I was right! So, my question is, did George test this thing himself before he plastered his face all over it? Please say yes, because there's nothing more annoying to me than having someone famous just slap their name on a product saying how much they love it and not having ever used it or tested it out first. 
I love that you brought that up because George said that he initially didn't even try the grill sent to him because it seemed like a toy. But eventually his wife uh, made a burger on it, which convinced him to sign the endorsement agreement with Salton, which was a smart move because it's estimated that George eventually earned an estimated $200 million from his grill endorsement deals. And next to Michael Jordan's deal with Nike, George Foreman's deal with Salton is the most successful endorsement deal in sports marketing, according to CNBC. So why did he choose George Foreman for the endorser? Like, when is it, when could it have, couldn't have been anybody endorsing this? Or I guess a better question would be, why did Michael want to endorse this by a celebrity? Why not just sell it under the as seen on TV umbrella like everybody else? From what you told me earlier, it seems pretty important to Michael that he knew that everyone knew that he was the true inventor. So Michael wanted a celebrity endorser because he knew that this grill wouldn't sell without one. When he was pitching this idea to other companies trying to find someone to manufacture the grill for him, they would all just say the same thing. You can't cook anything at an angle. And most people just assumed that if this was something that would that works, it would have already been invented by now, which we clearly know wasn't the case with this grill. And as far as why Michael wanted George as the endorser, Michael said that he started with his contacts in the housewares industry, and then he was inspired to send a sample to a marketing expert that he worked closely with, who also worked closely with George Foreman. And George, at the time, was already endorsing mufflers, so Michael thought, you know, maybe George was interested in endorsing another product, and so Michael said, Michael said that it took a really, really, really long time to get the endorsement with George placed. And I also read that uh, Hulk Hogan was initially supposed to be the face of the product because in 1994, Hogan was still at the top of the wrestling world and was looking to capitalize off his image. And his agent offered him two different endorsement deals. One, what would eventually become the George Foreman grill. And two, something else. And Hogan went with the something else. Ugh, Hulk Hogan, really? I'm glad he didn't sign with him, but his slogans and his voice are just way too much for me. So what was this something else? Hogan's version of the story has often changed. He apparently first revealed this story in an episode of Hogan Knows Best, which was a reality TV show that followed his family. And he claimed that he missed the opportunity thanks to not picking up his phone. But then later he claimed to have have chosen a meatball maker or a blender instead of the grill. And then in another article, I saw where he said he missed the opportunity because he was picking his kids up from school, whatever that means. So whatever the case may be, he lost out on the opportunity for sure. And according to... Um, an article written by Entertainment, Hogan tried to emulate George's success by investing in and becoming the face of his own grill, the Hulk Hogan Ultimate Grill. This grill was supposed to be a grill that could you could cook on both sides, like the George Foreman grill, or spread out and offer two separate cooking surfaces if left open. And not only did the grill severely disappoint in sales, but it had to be recalled due to fire hazards that were found in its design. Yikes! Well, that's what gets that's what he gets for missing his opportunity when it came knocking. 
So when did the George Foreman grill hit the market? The George Foreman grill really is a household name now, and I remember it being really big in the 90s, but obviously we were little kids then, so... The George Foreman Grill initially debuted in 1994, and then the following year, Salton created its first infomercial starring pitchman George Foreman, testing out his namesake grill that, quote, knocks out the fat. This led to a series of TV show-length infomercials and then shorter ads featuring an always enthusiastic George, hawking a variety of George Foreman grills and accessories, including grease trays, scrapers, grill sponges, and more. George used the word, you know, the words my grill frequently in the commercials, which just reinforces the wildly accepted myth that he is the inventor, a claim he has publicly, albeit rather passively, denied. His personal association with and enthusiasm for the product, the ultra-manly boxer who cared deeply about healthier home cooking, fit the mold of the 1990s when a low-fat, low-carb diet was increasingly discussed in the media and represented in food choices at restaurants and grocery stores. And just a little fun fact and a side story. A 1995 model George Foreman Grill is currently on display in the National Museum of American History's popular exhibit, Food, Transforming the American Table from 1950 to 2000, alongside other kitchen artifacts such as a 1975 arrival crockpot, a 1963 veg food slicer. Do you remember those commercials? It slices, yeah. it dices. <laughs> and a 1955 Tapan Model RL1 microwave oven. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but the, exhi- the exhibition um, most famously features legendary cook and teacher Julia Child's Kitchen which she donated furniture, appliances, pots and pans, kitchen gadgets, pegboard, and cookbooks to the National Museum of American History in 2001. Wait, there's more than one type of George Foreman grill? I mean, I clearly don't own one or know much about it, but I guess I just assumed there was just one. Yes, so Michael said that he always analyzes his ideas from a line standpoint, And he had three or four models of the grill in mind, so he started developing the very smallest one first, which minimalized his investment and maximized container loads, ultimately resulting in a stronger cost structure, he says. If the product was successful, Michael reasoned he could introduce the larger size in a few months. And if not, he would just cut his losses. So basically, what he did was create two grills initially, a small one and then a larger one, anticipating that if he launched the smaller one first and it was successful, consumers would want a larger one. And it would look like he answered their demands by rolling out a larger grill. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Also, there are a lot of people who have limited kitchen prep space, so coming out with a smaller version first could definitely appeal to more people. Definitely. So I also just want, you know, I just have some interesting facts because 
I'm kind of a the more you know kind of person and I'm always full of interesting facts that really no one else needs to know but I just love to learn. So I read that basically this grill is foolproof and you have to pretty much try to mess up grilling with it. However, a man in Florida, of course it was Florida, did burn down his house trying to make cookies with it. George Foreman tweeted one time um, after another Twitter user pressed him for how his famous grill came to be. And George said, quote, while I was KO'd, I saw a giant piece of meat screaming, grill me. And when I woke up, I said, gotta find a grill. (laughs) And contrary to popular belief, sales of the grill were initially sluggish after 18 months on the market. Leon Dryman, who was the CEO of Salton, said he needed to rethink the infomercial. So when... um, the commercial initially aired it opened with the first 12 seconds being boxing footage of george in the ring and dryman said he wanted to replace that footage with something that was more of like a dad vibe so dryman flew a film crew out to george's house and it was on the air by the following weekend and he said that by the following weekend all hell broke loose what yeah so this is a necessary this really isn't like a necessarily a fact um but more of kind of a fun insight that almost every college dorm had one in the 90s because if you think about it 18 year olds thinking of you know they they generally think of cooking as like a one-way transaction whatever my parents cooked for me i ate it whatever the school cafeteria near my dorm served, I would mindlessly scarf down. So there's sort of a magical quality about simple cooking, like the Mr. Coffee or the Instant Pot, that this grill reduced seemingly complicated cooking procedures to the literal push of a button. It's said that Salton and Michael originally thought that this grill would appeal to seniors who wanted to stay fit, yet cut back on their culinary ambitions, but we now know that this was actually a bigger hit with the college students. By 1999, Salton was selling $160 million worth of George Foreman grills every year, whether it be over the phone or in stores. An article written by Men's Health in April of 2020 said that as many as 150 million units have been sold to date, even with George retiring from the ring in 1997 and later parting ways with Salton, which I think that I read that Salton bought George out of his contract for $137 million and um, they were still able to use his name for future products as well. Another 3 million George Foreman grills are expected to be sold this year, which the year is 2020. Jackie Chan starred in a commercial alongside George to help pitch it in Asian markets. And lastly, because I know that this fact would make my husband very happy, this grill was featured in a 2006 episode of The Office where Michael Scott used it Used his to make bedside bacon, and he ended up burning his foot on it. Oh, yeah, he'll totally enjoy that one. Uh, I can't believe that. So, you know, I also enjoy random facts, but for real, I'm kind of wondering why I don't own one right now. 
Like mostly because I'm not somebody who enjoys grilling or being, you know, grilling outside with the bugs and fooling around with the charcoal or propane. Inside cooking seems to be way more my style. So where is Michael Bohm now? Is he still inventing anything at all? Michael's developing an improved version of the old Foreman grill, only this time he says that Salton isn't interested, mostly because um, the follow-on could hurt the sales of the original grill, which, you know, millions of that grill were sold. Um, and people in corporate situations, they just, they want to keep risk low and profits high, and they aren't wrong for feeling or thinking that way. So Michael says that he will likely take his new product to another larger company. I also read that Michael spends all his time devoted to the creative process. Michael says that there are always things that can be improved. His advice to others is to be incredibly curious. Always look around you, observe, see what people are doing and how they live their lives, and then try and channel that into something you know, that's a product, a commodity that people will be able to use over and over again. Michael also said that inventing the grill didn't really change his life because so few people know the true story. He said that the producers kept asking, you know, what's your defining moment? And he tried to explain, you know, that it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you have it, but it's a quiet moment. Because Michael devotes so much time to the creating process, he continues to come up with new inventions and ideas and tinkers away in his home in Illinois. According to an Inventor's Digest interview, he said he's working on a whole new cooking system for his invention his invention company called Intellection, and that he has several other product ideas that have not been commercialized yet. And like I just mentioned, Michael has, you know, an invention on demand company called Intellection, which is actually really, really tiny. It's just Michael and his daughter working in a cramped office in their home in Illinois. I also read that Michael doesn't think that patents are quite as important as he once did. He's more interested in identifying a need out there that consumers have and creating products that meet that need and that will make life easier. And he said it really depends on the product, but you know, you're always going to be knocked off, which we know to be true from the Cami Secret episode that we did a few weeks back. Michael said that people come to him saying that they have this great idea, it's patented, and he doesn't really care anymore. Michael just wants to know, is there a need for it? I love that even though he's come up with such a successful product that he still wants to find a way to make it better and come up with more things. Do you think that his house is like full of mousetrap game obstacles to like help make him breakfast in the morning and stuff? Because I totally do. So... I'm pretty sure it's not a secret or hard to get your hands on one of these George Foreman grills, right? Correct. So you definitely have to live under a rock or in a cave like Jonah White, who was the creator of the Perfect Smile veneers, to not know where to find one of these. But that's actually all we have for today. So make sure that you hop on over to our YouTube channel. You can find us at ASTV Podcast, or there's also a link in the description of this episode to see us test out this grill and make us some lunch. Mm. So we'll be back next Monday with another exciting product. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Bye. Bye!